right. Guys are like super friendly this morning. This is great. Thank you for braving the fog. Apparently, you know, some people don't drive in the fog. You guys drove in the fog, so congratulations. Welcome. For those of you that don't know, my name is Jacob. Uh-oh, my clicker is not working. It would help if I turned it on. Oh, there we go. Hello. My name is Jacob, and I'm super excited to be here uh, sharing with all of you this morning. Um, my prayer is that the Spirit in me testifies to the Spirit in you that we are children of the King. Amen. Amen. So on that note, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite you here, God. We pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in this place, Lord. I pray, Lord, that none of us would leave here unchanged. I pray that each of us would experience a little bit more of your kingdom, a little bit more of heaven this morning as we reflect on your word and what you've done for us, Lord. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. So we're uh, starting, embarking on a series through Ephesians. And uh, I, get the, I have the great pleasure of, of kind of sharing the first chapter or talking about the first chapter with all of you this morning. But before we do that, um, there's a confession I need to make. It's very serious. There's a confession I need to make. Y'all are so quiet when people make confessions. This is good. This is really good. I love to label things. I love it so much. In fact, this is kind of funny. One of my most memorable toys that I received as a kid was a label maker that looked just like this. And, you know, the tape went in and you had to, like, you know, some of you guys are, like, you know, not as old as I am. But you had to, like, you know, click around and, you know, you'd find the letter you want. You'd go click and it'd, like, spit out. You know, it looked like this. It was really cool. And you'd, like, you know, take off the labels and you'd put it on stuff. It was pretty cool. See, some of you are labelers. Some of you can identify with this need to label things. In fact, if you're one that is inclined to label your stuff, don't look now, but you might just be a nerd. Thank <laughs> you. 
need to measure my fluid intake and output to make sure my kidneys aren't shutting down? <laughs> I miss pancake batter in this. <laughs> no, that measuring cup has always been for urine. <laughs> Nerds like to label things. <laughs> like to label things. In fact, I must confess, I must confess, I like to label things too. This is what my file folders at home look like. All neatly categorized and labels. Some of you look like amazed. Some of you look perplexed. Some of you look like, oh yeah, that's, that's the way you do it. That's, that's what you do. You label your stuff. That's, that's what it is. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you like to label your stuff. You see, I not only like to label my stuff, but I often find myself labeling people. You do this too? Like, you know, you see someone come in and you, like, size them up. Like, oh, yeah. Some of you saw me walk up here. You don't know me very well. You said, oh, man, that guy's a nerd. Some of you that know me well, you, like, totally shut down. You're like, all right, I'm checking out for the next, you know, 30 minutes. <laughs> Heard him before. We size people up, right? I know I do. You see, there are things that have been spoken about me, that I've thought about myself, and they kind of, they kind of resemble labels. Things like these things. Well, they're not all bad, right? They're not all bad. I've got some, you know, positive labels. Software engineer, that, I like that one. Funny, my wife thinks I'm funny. I think that one's great. <laughs> See, you guys just laughed. You think I'm funny too. This is awesome. I'm, I'm funny, okay, all right. Let's keep going. Nerdy. Now, this is the one I'm most proud of. And it's funny because if you would have asked me like 20 years ago, oh, Jacob, do you like being nerdy? Heck, heck no. I'm from Utah, so I can say heck. Heck no. Not from Salt Lake County, but it's okay. Heck no. See, when I was in, when I was in junior high and high school, nerds were not cool. Something happened in the last, like, 10 years. I don't know what it is, but nerds are, like, a little more cool now. Am I wrong about that? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm just, you know, kind of, you know, maybe it's wishing on my part. <laughs> but the truth is, you guys may not know this, the truth is nerds will have jobs until the robots take over. So that's pretty good. Until Skynet becomes a thing, like, you know, I'm going to be gainfully employed. <laughs> Think about that. No, oh, all right, well. Now, some of these labels are not so positive. Not so positive. My wife, my wife, she... In fact, some of these are just downright awful. <laughs> if you were to have asked my wife when we were teenagers, I've known my wife for a long time, if you were to ask her what she thought of me when I was a teenager, she would have said, oh, that Jacob, he's annoying. And, you know, there's this strange thing about annoying people. 
of which I used to be one. Maybe still am, it depends. I guess it's, you know, annoyingness is kind of in the eye of the beholder. It's kind of like beauty, right? <laughs> I found that the less annoying I tried to be, the more annoying I became. It was really weird. It was very frustrating, to say the least. A um, couple more here. Someone called me this last year a terrorist. Now, you got to appreciate the irony because, one, I don't own any guns. Two, I haven't hurt a living thing, a living thing in my adult life. I got called a terrorist. See, I was on the phone with one of our partners at work, and we had approached an impasse of sorts. I was kind of, you know, towing the company line. And he said, you know what? You know what, Jacob? You're like a terrorist, and we just need to come in and take you out. <laughs> Be careful out there. Some folks are a little crazy. It's crazy. That's another label I think has been ascribed to me. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you like to label people too. And maybe you wear some of these same labels. And, you know, left unchecked, left unchecked, these things that we think about ourselves, these things that people have spoken over us, they become a part of our identity. They become a part of who we are. We begin to, you know, internalize them. We begin to think of ourselves in these terms, particularly in these negative terms. I think people are particularly good at ascribing to others and perhaps themselves negative labels. I know I am. Don't you do this? I do this. If someone's known for drinking to excess on a regular basis, what are they? An alcoholic. If someone cheats on their significant other, their spouse, consistently, what are they? Cheater. Adulterer. Philanderer. Which is not to be confused with philanthropist. <laughs> Two very different things. Someone likes to tell lies a lot. What are they? They're a liar. And left unchecked, these labels, these things, they become a part of who we are, a part of our identity, a part of how we see ourselves and people see us. At some point, we just kind of give up and go, okay, well, that's what I am. I am what I am. Women don't change me. Okay, don't ever say that. That's really bad. <laughs> don't ever say that to anyone, really. Especially, especially if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Because he is all about changing us. See, so left unchecked, these things that I showed you about myself, they would have ran their course. I would have continued to be undisciplined. I would be in a lot of debt, probably. I might still be annoying. Some of you are like, well, you know, Lord's still working on that. but Jesus changed me. Paul, and if you don't know about Paul, he wrote a letter to 
the churches in Asia Minor, of which Ephesus was one of them. We call it Ephesians. Um, Ephesus was like a major city uh, in Asia Minor at the time um, of Paul and the early church. If you don't know about Paul, he was a Jew of Jews. He was like the cream of the crop, the best Jew you could ever think of. He was super pious. He understood like all the laws and stuff. He observed all of the ceremonies. He was circumcised. He was a Jew of Jews. He was super, super, duper, duper smart. And uh, he had determined, he had determined to persecute these people calling themselves Jesus followers, these Christians, because they were twisting the law. They were twisting Jewish custom, Jewish thoughts. It was blasphemy, as they would say. And he had a radical encounter with Jesus. Now, I'm going to paraphrase here. Jesus said to him, why are you capping my bros? <laughs> I'm from the west side, so I can say that. My wife thinks I'm going to get shot one day, but... Mm. <laughs> Why are you capping my bros? They're my bros. He says, ho, 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 I thought I was your bro. And Jesus said, no, you're not my bro. Those are my bros. Why are you hurting my people? <laughs> Paul determined, after that radical encounter with Jesus... to evangelize, to be a missionary, to be a church planner to the Gentile people. And Gentiles, those are the folks that are non-Jews. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Hello, my name is Jacob. So Paul, writing this letter to Ephesians, He's, he's addressing them kind of in a period of difficulty. There is this tension. There was still this tension in the early church about Jews and Gentiles and how they ought to get along because it was a mixed group of people. The church included both Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews had, like, you know, really strict laws, and the Gentiles had not very many strict laws. We're like, well, whatever goes, guys. And uh, there was some tension there. Rightfully so. If you want to read about the Jewish laws, go ahead. I encourage you to do so. You can find that in the Jewish scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. You just keep going. They're all in there, and there are many. Oh, so many. Oh, my gosh. Too many. So Paul's writing to not only address that situation, but to also provide a word of encouragement. And there are three kind of major themes he touches on in Ephesians. One is he continues to explain and highlight the Gentile mission and why it is so important. In fact, he refers to the Gentile mission as a mystery. Ooh, so good. I can't talk about, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but you'll have to like hang on because we're, we're going to get there. He highlights Christ's victory. And lastly, he talks about our unity in the spirit, how there is no distinction in Christ. And in his introduction to these churches in Asia Minor, Ephesus being one of them. He touches on kind of all three of these themes, and we're just going to walk through that super-duper quickly this morning. Because this is like a really rich passage, and I am not going to... Well, I mean, I could, but you guys might get bored, and that would be bad, because I hear that's bad. So I'm going to just paint with some broad brushstrokes and kind of highlight for you some things that 
I have found meaning, meaningful in my life, and you know, hopefully you find some meaningful, you find these things equally meaning in your own life as you reflect on them. So Paul starts out, this is in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose you guys. It's amazing. In him, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Not only did he chose you, he like thought about you before the beginning of the world. You have been predestined. You have been chosen, he says of the earliest Christians. He says, he goes on to say, he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. See, Jesus is on a mission of uniting all things, melding heaven with earth, bringing about new life, bringing about redemption. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. You guys know, you reflect, if you've identified with Christ, if you've called him the boss of your life, you reflect his glory on those around you. No pressure. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. We have reason to hope because it was the Holy Spirit that drew us to Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us victory. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to change. It is the Holy Spirit that produces good things in us, things like love and joy and peace. Do you know that a little bit of heaven, according to Paul, lives in you? It's a down payment. It's a down payment, as Paul says here, on what is to come. We have hope. We have it right now. It's not deferred. We have it. We have a down payment, and then we get some more later. It's pretty cool. You see, when we come to faith, we become members of his body. His church, his ecclesia, his folks that are called out for a purpose. And he gives us a new identity. And he ascribes to us a new set of labels. Really good labels. <laughs> I don't know if you caught this, but Paul, he says again and again, in him you are this. In him you are this. He ascribes to the early church 
by my count, 11 terms that God had used of his people, the Jews, in the Old Testament. And he says, you're this. Gentile and Jew, you're this. It says, in him you were chosen. In him you were predestined. In him you were adopted. In him you were holy. In him you were blameless. In him you were blessed. In him you are beloved. In him you are redeemed. In him you are forgiven. In him you are heirs. In him you are sealed. Wow. That's some good stuff. I want those labels. Now, I could probably spend the rest of our morning together unpacking each and every one of these terms because they are rich. They are really good. But there's one that I want to highlight for us this morning, and that is redeemed. Now, if I were to say I redeemed myself, what would that mean? I made amends, right? I did wrong, and then I made amends, and now I'm good. That's redeemed, right? Paul says that we're redeemed. He didn't say that we did anything to be redeemed. We've been redeemed. How does that work? How many of you, how many of you have been to court? Now, you don't need to raise your hand. Just think about it. Have you been to court? I've been to court. Traffic tickets, man. Not so fun. I've been a juror. That was kind of cool. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Well, actually, one count guilty, the other count not guilty. Ask me about it later. <laughs> it was kind of fun, though, kind of seeing the you know, justice system at work. So say, let's just, you know, for the purposes of our conversation this morning, let's just say you had to go to court because you did something, like, really, really bad. What would you do? Like, if money were no object, what would you do? You would, like, get the best lawyer you could find. I would, like, get the guy that, like, had, like, masterful oratory skills. Good, persuasive talk, right? Someone that might have a little bit of a following, you know, like, lots of Facebook likes, lots of Twitter followers, like, someone that was, like, really good at this thing. That's what I would get. If money were no object, I would try to find the best lawyer I could find. And say you did that. Say you found the guy that had a good following, was well known for his oratory skills. You're like, yes, I got the guy. He's going to defend me, and I'm going to get off scot-free. what I would do. So you get to court. Prosecution. You know, they lay out their opening argument. It's bad. Like, this guy is bad. Like, he's, like, bringing up stuff that you forgot about. Oh, man, I did do that. Oh, I did lie about that. Oh, yeah, I did do that. And he's, like, and then he's kind of, like, twisting it, making, like, half-truths out of it. He's just hurling these things at you. You're like, oh, man, good thing I got a good lawyer. So, you know, the prosecution opens their case. It's not good. You're looking pretty guilty. This guy's, like, Masterful orator, too. And say your lawyer, you know, it's his turn to go, and he said nothing. He doesn't say a thing. He just, he like, like pats you on the shoulder and says, it's okay. Like, what's okay? You're supposed to get up. You're supposed to say something. Why aren't you getting up? 
Man, I would be spitting mad. My gosh, all that money. I'd be so mad. But your lawyer does something surprising. He gets up. He approaches the judge. And you're not quite sure what exchange they're having. You can't quite hear them. Judge says, okay. He looks at you. He says, this is the judge. Looks at you. Says, free go. What? Man, that guy's good. I don't know what he said, but that was good. And then you see out of the corner of your eye, see out of the corner of your eye, the bailiff comes. He puts handcuffs on your lawyer. Takes them away. Judge says, he copped for all the things you did. And we're going to put him away instead of you. How would you feel? I don't know how I would feel. Like, that would be weird. Be like, well, okay. I did do some of the things. <laughs> like, I should pay some sort of price for what I did, right? I should do something. Folks, that's exactly, exactly what Jesus did for us. He exchanged, this is where my analogy breaks down, he exchanged all of our sin, all of our labels, all of the things that we do that miss the mark. And he exchanged it for his righteousness. How many of you have said this? Maybe in a kind of like a, a sullen tone, like a, like a, everyone hates me, nobody likes me, I'm just going to go get worms. How many of you said, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Two of you, three of you, some of you? Ah, ah, I saw a hand in the back. If you've said that, if you've heard other people say that, man, we've been hoodwinked. We have been had. We are not sinners. Jesus calls us righteous. He calls us holy. We're blameless. We've been adopted. We've been sealed. We've taken on all of his righteousness and exchanged it for all of our sin. All of it. You see, you and I, we're a, we're a PBD. You guys know what a PBD is, right? Pretty bad dude? Ooh, any other thoughts? That's interesting. Any other thoughts? We are a PBD. We're a pretty big deal. We're a pretty big deal, according to Paul. We're absolutely central as his church to Christ's mission on earth. We are not in the periphery. We're absolutely central to it. And he has taken all of all of our stuff, all of our labels, and he's replaced it with a new identity. Now, I confess, left to myself, I would be a totally different person. Maybe you're maybe the same. And Jesus has changed me and is changing me from the inside out. You know, there's some labels that I happen to like that I'm still kind of holding on to. 
Some of you know this. I've determined to start a business this year. And I, like, just this week, I had, like, a sleepless night because it hit me. (laughs) I have been gainfully employed since I was, like, 16. I don't really like exchanging my employed label. (laughs) It's part of my identity with unemployed. Some of you are saying Jacob is self-employed. Okay, fine. Self-employed. That's, that's crazy, but I think, I think that this is something that the Lord has asked me to do. I don't want to give it up. It's been kind of hard. In fact, uh, a good friend of ours that just asked me yesterday, so Jacob, how's that like, stuff coming along? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Because I'm still holding on to that, that little bit of my identity that the Lord, I think, desires to change. Maybe you're like that too. Maybe you like to hold on to some of this stuff. I'm going to invite the uh, ushers to collect our offering and connect cards. And I want to just, if anybody's here, I just want to give you a chance to respond. If you feel like, you know, you've maybe been hanging on to a label or two, Maybe your identity isn't firmly grounded in what Christ has called you to be. Maybe you're not feeling particularly redeemed. But you've identified with Jesus. You've determined to make him the boss of your life. You're part of his church. I want to just invite you to to stand up and allow us to pray for you. Um, you know, it's funny, we, uh, I recognize that, you know, kind of my journey to being self-employed is going to require me to develop new habits, better habits, because left to myself, I, I kind of am driven by latest and loudest, like just whatever's in front of me. So there's a group of guys that I meet with every other week, and I got to tell you, just having that support, having a forum to talk to people, to kind of confess, like, what's going well and what's not going so well has really, really helped me. And if you just, you know, you feel like you need to, you need to lose some labels this morning, you need to embrace what Jesus has called you. Holy, blameless, saved, changed. I just want to give you an opportunity to, to get some prayer. So does that, does that resonate with anybody? Okay, why don't, why don't you guys just stand up? Just, you know, the, the, the act of standing and kind of confessing, it's really powerful. I mean, like I said, you know, just getting together every couple weeks and, and visiting with some friends of mine, it's really freeing. It's like, oh man, I, I, I'm not in this alone. So there's no shame, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no shame, there's no condemnation in confessing that we need help. So um, those of you that are just kind of sitting around these folks, I'm going to commission you to pray for them, lay your hands on them, speak words of encouragement over them.
And uh, why don't the worship team come forward and we'll just kind of kind of end our time together with a song. And this is a good song. So I just want to uh, uh, encourage you to allow the, these words to just wash over you. Because it, it clearly, clearly um, articulates what Christ has done for us. All right. So let's sing. So I want to challenge you all this week. I don't know about you, but I am so good, so, so good at being a negative person. In fact, it might be one of my specialties. I don't know, maybe you're like me, you're really good at being negative too. I want to encourage you. Give someone, perhaps someone that you don't like so much, a new label this week. Give them a compliment. Because, you know, those things stick too. I was called a terrorist, I'll never forget that. But I've been called other things, good things. And those stick. Jesus has called us to do good things, to be good things. He's erased our past and assured our future. I want to just, um, Paul ends this sort of passage with a Thanksgiving prayer. And like Paul, I, I want you all to know, I am so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for your faithfulness. I'm so thankful for your love of Jesus. You guys are awesome. So I pray as Paul prayed over us this morning that he would make us, Lord, make us, Lord, intelligent and discerning and knowing you personally. May our eyes be focused and clear. Help us, Lord, see exactly what you are doing and what you've called us to do. Help us, Lord, grasp the immensity, the glorious way of life that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for the utter extravagant work that you are doing, that you will do in us for those that have put our faith and trust in you. Give us, Lord, endless energy, endless strength. Help us, Lord, be demonstrations, God, of your victory. Help us, Lord, reflect your glory and your goodness on the world around us, Lord. Help us, God, ascribe new labels to our enemies and our friends. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you all to know, this is a pretty big deal. No power, no ruler, no authority is exempt from Christ's rule. He is the name above every name. He is the label above every label. Christ rules the church. 
Paul says, and the church is absolutely central to his mission on earth. We are part of his cosmic plan. In fact, we might be central to it, if Paul's right. It is in us and through us that he speaks and acts and he blesses the world with his presence and his love. So go forth this week and be the church. Bless someone. Give them a new label. Call them what God has called them. Amen. Amen. If you guys, if there's anybody that would like some extended prayer, we'd love to continue praying for you so you can make your way up here. Otherwise, go in peace.